for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And just as we expected, the verdict is in in the Cherish Periwinkle trial. This is a uh, this is a very quick jury verdict. They've been gone, what, like 20, 30 minutes? They were just getting instruction at the top of the program. Actually, it wasn't even that long. We were only out about 14 minutes. Oh, sorry. Stephanie Brown, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, she's here. Uh, 14 minutes the jury deliberated and they came back. So I imagine they didn't have a lot to talk about. Again, there was really no defense uh, that, was, that was put forward in this case. And now we're just waiting, what, 74 them to go get some water and come back into the jury room? How does it work? So basically, we've received notice from the jury that they have reached a verdict. So the judge is now allowing some time for everybody to reassemble, the, the attorneys to come back in the room, people who are interested in the case. For example, I'm seeing some reports that Cherish's mother has returned to the courtroom as mm -hmm. well. So we're taking a few minutes just so everybody can come back in. And then at that point, the jury will be brought back out to read their verdict on three charges. A few things worth noting. Yeah. These are going to be unique unanimous verdicts. Okay, each uh, and every one of them. Exactly. And the fact that we've been told they have verdicts indicates that that likely is the case. We're not likely not looking at, you know, a mistrial or a hung uh, on any of the yeah, counts. That would take days. Right, especially yeah. because of how quick this is. So we do likely have three definitive verdicts, and that is the important note as well. There are three charges that right, Donald Smith was And facing. let's go over that one more time. The three charges were or are... Uh, the first one is murder. Of course. Over the death of Cherish Periwinkle. Also kidnapping right. for taking her, confining her, as well as sexual battery okay. of the eight-year-old. And so those are three uh, three distinct uh, charges, and we're looking for three distinct verdicts. And the fact that there's three votes on three verdicts in 14 minutes seems pretty much that we can we can we can pretty much know what the outcome is going to be you know obviously i never want to speculate um but the fact as you mentioned you know the defense is not required here to mount any kind of case the burden right. of proof is on prosecutors so you look at this situation and you say well the defense didn't do anything you know you would think that we're going to get three guilty verdicts here and that is entirely possible i always err on the side of caution you want to wait you don't want to speculate because again that burden is on prosecutors to prove their case, not the defense to disprove. All right, so we have the jury. It uh, looks like they're going to be coming back into the courtroom in just a minute. The judge, as we said, is getting uh, everybody back in place. The, the lawyers, the um, uh, the uh, well, the victim's mom is there as well, and a bunch of reporters and things like that because reporters are always everywhere. And we're going to bring you the live uh, jury. Now, who re is this one of those where the judge reads the verdict or does the judge read it and hand it back to the jury and then the foreman reads the verdict? Do we know the process? I know you spend a lot of time in the courthouse. Yeah, pretty much what I expect that we're going to see is the jury will come in. They'll be seated. Mm -hmm. And the judge will be handed their form because they do have to fill out uh, the verdict form on each of the three counts. The judge will likely review it, make sure there's no error in things being crossed out, make sure everything's signed appropriately. And then what we'll expect is the judge will likely ask on each of the counts, you know, have you reached a verdict and what is that verdict? And then the foreperson will be the person who ultimately speaks on behalf of the jury, again, for announcing this unanimous decision. I do want to mention we're obviously watching a feed from inside of the 
the courtroom as we're waiting for the jury to be brought in. And I do see right now that Donald Smith, the defendant, as well as the other people in the courtroom are actually standing at this moment. So it is possible right now that the jury is actually following in. I'm actually just seeing a tweet from our reporter, Bridget Matter, with our partner, Action News Jax, inside of the courtroom. She says that the jury is seated. So it's going to be just another minute or two that we'll go ahead and bring you that courtroom feed. Actually, let's go ahead and see uh, if there's anything coming up from the courtroom night right now or uh so, yeah, sorry. It looks like they were getting ready to talk, um, but we're going to wait just another couple minutes here. Again, there's a lot of procedure that always takes place, um, but as soon as the verdict is read, we will be bringing that in. All right, so the Donald Smith verdict is in. The jury is in place, and we know that because uh, we have reporters from Action News Jacks in there. They're in the courtroom. All right, now it looks. let's go there now because they're back to the courtroom feet. No, not yet. All right, good. So. Okay, so uh, as soon as we get that verdict read, we are going to bring it to you. But uh, 14 minutes, again, was the total deliberation time. It almost took them longer to read the rules to the jury than it did for the jury to go back and decide on the verdict. That absolutely was the case. Um, The jury instruction is a lengthy process, especially here. You had the jury was actually allowed to consider what's called lesser included charges. Mm -hmm. So if they didn't find him guilty of murder, they could find him guilty of second degree murder or manslaughter. So that uh, extends everything just a bit um, but you know again that's three cases so there were lengthy uh, instructions and it actually looks like while we're not getting the audio coming in from the courtroom are we getting that audio now uh, it looks like all right let's go ahead and dip in as the verdicts are read Tuesday than you have been this week. 
And I would ask you if you... All right, you've been listening from inside of the courtroom where Donald Smith has now been convicted on all three charges connected to the kidnapping, rape, and murder of eight-year-old Cherish Periwinkle. I'm WOKV Stephanie Brown here with Mark Kay. We are kind of breaking format with the Mark Kay Show to bring you breaking news coverage of this case as it's been unfolding. And we actually are going to go ahead and bring in WOKV legal analyst Mark Rubin as well because, Mark, the big thing that we're looking at now is this is a death penalty case. So we're now looking at the death penalty process or the sentencing phase next week. So what is that going to look like? All right, we're working to get Mark Rubin back on the line, but let's go ahead, Mark Kay, and talk about that a little bit. Um, oh, okay, it looks like, sorry, there's breaking news coverage again, a lot of moving parts, but it looks like we do have Mark Rubin on the line now. So let's go ahead and talk through that death penalty sentencing process. It's been a while since we've seen this level of case take place in this circuit. So what should we expect to be happening? Okay, Stephanie, can you hear me? I'm sorry, we had a little yeah, difficulty we're, there. Yeah, we're good to go. Again, we've been uh, recapping three guilty verdicts for Donald Smith. So what are we looking at from the sentencing process? Okay, so it, it, every case, as as and we've been through half of it now, is uh, for murder, where, where death penalty is at stake, is the first phase is guilt or innocence. And we just finished that. We got guilt. Uh, so now we move to the death penalty phase. This is the phase where there's only two sentences that are possible. It's either life or death. And a jury will hear testimony, but the testimony won't be about whether it was guilty or not, whether he did it or not, that's already been established. The testimony now is gonna be whether he should, what the punishment should be. And so the state will bring in witnesses to show that this was a heinous crime, that it was a crime, uh, a morally depraved crime, a crime with aggravating circumstances such that uh, they're so extreme that the only penalty that can that can be appropriate would be the death penalty. <clears throat> On the other side, of course, the defense is going to argue extenuating circumstances, and we don't yet know what those circumstances are going to be, but they're probably going to be talking about things about how bad his childhood was, uh, things that uh, occurred in his life to make him not a good person, they're not going to be arguing again that he didn't do it. They're going to be arguing that his life should be spared uh, for whatever uh, reason, which they call mitigating circumstances. So essentially this comes down to the state trying to prove aggravating circumstances and the defense trying to prove mitigating circumstances. And ultimately the jury will be asked to, uh, to decide that and vote on just two things, life so the defense here, has, I mean, they did because they didn't re even really mount a defense. And what is the strategy behind that? Uh, number one. And then so going into the sentencing, is there are they going to do something similar or do we feel that that there are they are going to go in there and try to uh, resolve a, as little a sentence as possible? Well, you know, my take on it is, is that they didn't waste a lot of time defending this case because the evidence was so overwhelming. OK. Um, and, and of course, the defendant, I think, will probably argue that they didn't pay, uh, try to do cross-examination on uh, Perry Winkle's mother, uh, which they completely waived doing and, and putting her through the stress of that. She did have to testify, of course, uh, the state put her on, but they didn't cross-examine her at all. And I think they'll try to make a big deal of that, saying that they showed compassion by not doing that, try to build up some sympathy for the defendant because they... <laughs> You know, this is a tough case if you're the defense, mm. but uh, because there's just not a lot of good that comes out of this. It's a horrible crime with a horrible circumstance and a horrible set of facts with the way this little girl was taken and died. 
everyone feels bad about that. But the question now is going to be, was what he did enough to get to the level of where we, where we, where we have the ultimate penalty, which is death the ex and ex by execution? Are these verdicts uh, like appealable or is this something that could go to an appellate court? And if so, you know, is there any chance that they would be overturned? Is is, you know, the a, a faulty defense or a, a defense that, you know, lacked uh, passion, really? Is that something that he could maybe use later on or is this something that's probably just going to stand? Well, in a civilized society, we've already established that with a penalty as severe as death, mm -hmm that we have to have a process, and it's a more than one level process before right. we take somebody's life. So every uh, defendant that's facing the death penalty is going to have an appeal. It's almost automatic, and unless, of course, he waives it. And, uh, but, but, and he won't, because I think that the reason they went through this trial and, and didn't plead guilty in the face of all these overwhelming charges and evidence was because they still wanted to make sure that the state proved their case. That right. They, that, they, that there wasn't some technicality, a witness doesn't show up or something else. Which sometimes you see those things on TV. Um, uh, you see them a lot more on TV than they do in real life, but there's always the chance that maybe something happens and, and there's a mistake that's made, which could ultimately uh, you know, prove to, to dismiss the case. That didn't happen, but they took that shot. It might have been a less than 1% chance, but they, but they did that. Now... Um, now they're going to put on a real case because now they're trying, you know, as a defense attorney, you're trying to save a man's life. So there's no reason not to try as hard as you can, not to uncover every rock, to do everything you can to try to prove that this person doesn't deserve to die. And as we keep WOKV legal analyst Mark Rubin on the line, we've been getting a few calls that have been coming in asking specifically about the timeline of this case. You know, it's anybody who's lived in Jacksonville for about five years is going to remember likely where they are when they started hearing the news. Friday night, there was a missing persons case. By the next morning, there was an Amber Alert that had been issued. Cherish's body quickly found. Donald Smith quickly apprehended. One of those cases that we saw there was changes in the Florida legislature in the sex offender law as a result of this. There was fallout at JSO because of how some of the initial calls were handled. So this had wide reverberations. We saw, you know, a lot happen, but ultimately it has been close to five years since this happened. And a lot of callers have been uh, kind of buzzing in asking why it has taken that long. And, and Mark, I, I expect that a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is a death penalty sentencing case. And what we've seen in the last couple of years in Florida is that that whole sentencing process has been overhauled. Well, we are a society of laws and rules, and we have protections out there because when you're looking to take somebody's life, as I said earlier, it's the ultimate penalty. And so anybody would want to have a process that could potentially be aimed at them to have these, these safeguards in place. And yes, uh, you know, I'm sure you have callers that are saying, and let's bring the guy, or, you know, why are we taking the time? He's guilty. But we are a law, uh, we're a society of civilized people and laws, and we do follow those. And that's, that's, that's what separates us from every other country in the world, basically. Our process is, is without question the best. It's the most fair. But it also takes longer, and that's the price that we pay for making sure that we don't convict innocent people. And even then, we still sometimes do. As far as the 14-minute uh, um, you know, jury deliberation here, what does that say about the severity of the penalty? If, if they're if that if they're that certain, they're that sure that they're going to spend less than a quarter of an hour 
uh, deliberating this before they come to three unanimous verdicts on these on these charges. Um, are we thinking that a that a harsher penalty may be more likely because they are just so convinced that he did all these things, or does that are those uh, do two separate issues? That that's a really good question, and I think that um, uh, you know the common sense would tell you that there really was no question about whether he did it or not. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that for the sake of the process. That, and I think the judge will insert these, these jurors on this, that, this way, that the guilt phase is separate from the penalty phase because there are completely different issues that are being resolved. And as a lawyer, I have to hope that our system is good enough to where these jurors can separate that. They might come to the obvious decision, but we want them to do it on the facts, not based on emotion. Okay, that's great. You know, obviously, I mean, the the emotional and human element of this case, I think, really came into play. If we look back at the last two days of testimony that we had, I followed along, you know, every minute. And some of it, it was, you know, it was kind of gripping to see that this is something that not only had some jurors visibly sobbing in the courtroom as this was all taking place. But in fact, the chief medical examiner for this area had to ask for a recess because as she was walking through the autopsy photos, uh, showing the jury the injuries that this girl suffered and ultimately what led to her death, she seemed to be fighting back emotion and had to ask for a recess in order to kind of regain her composure. So really from the first minute of testimony, which was Cherish's mother uh, talking about that night, kind of defending some of the choices and decisions that she made that led to how things transpired, right down to that autopsy uh, explanation that took place. And then we heard from some JSO officers. There was one, I think, quote that will always stick with me, which was one of the JSO officers who found uh, Cherish's remains. And he said that as soon as he spotted her, he knew she was dead. And all he could do at that point was stand guard protect her, protect the evidence, make sure that the person who did this was found responsible. You know, when you have a case that's like this, and we saw the testimony, WOKV legal analyst Mark Rubin, you know, how difficult does it become? And do the parties acknowledge that emotion is a factor here? And and how do you get around that? Uh, With great difficulty. Uh, you have to pull yourself away from the facts and just focus on your job. Uh, whether you're a juror, whether you're a juror, whether you're a judge, whether you're a reporter covering the case, uh, uh, a homicide investigator, a prosecutor, or even a defense attorney, I have many times been confronted with pictures that were given to me by the police of what my client um, allegedly did. That horrified me to the point where I had to stop and put them down the same way that the coroner did. You just never get comfortable or to the point where you can just look at pictures like that if you're a human being and not be affected by them. But you have to, you have to pull yourself back and say, this is my job. You know, a lot of people ask, well, how can you represent somebody that, uh, that you know is guilty? And the answer is because every person that is charged with a crime has, by our Constitution, the right to a trial and to be proved guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That's exactly what happened here. Uh, the jury came back. It only took them a few minutes to do it, and that certainly says something for the strength of the, of the case and the good police work that, that was delivered um, and, and presented in court. 
But again, now we're at the point where we're talking about what happens with this man's life. And it's going to be, the, the dichotomy is going to be simple. It's going to be evil versus, uh, versus some way to find some excuse to not execute this man. If if uh, if it's a if it's a prison sentence, is he in any kind of uh, you know like a solitary confinement? Is he in a general population? I mean, and when you look at the sentence, uh, you're going to going to jail for this guy in in many ways may be a more horrible sentence than even the death penalty. Is that is that something they would right. take into account? Well, he's a sex offender. Yeah, uh, he he's been convicted as a sex offender in the past. He's now a a, a, a many time loser and and a murderer. So he's going to be uh, he's going to be in with the worst of the worst. He's going to be in, if he's not given the death penalty, he's going to be in maximum uh, maximum confinement, maximum security, and for people that are like him, which is thankfully not a large group of people. For those of you who are just tuning in, that's WOKV legal analyst Mark Rubin. I'm WOKV Stephanie Brown here with Mark Kay. We are interrupting the normal format for the Mark Kay show to bring you some major local breaking news here. Donald Smith found guilty of the kidnapping, sexual battery, and murder of eight-year-old Cherish Periwinkle. This case happening back in 2013, but it's a case that, again, led to major changes in Florida law, some repercussions at JSO, and ultimately just gripping to hear over the last two Two days of testimony what has been the fallout and, and what that girl endured in her final hours you know emotional testimony taking place and it took only 14 minutes for the jury to be unanimous in deciding guilty on all charges you know we put mark k on verdict watch today we told him that we'd probably be taking over his show here uh, but that's why we have this locally produced shows here so that we can make sure we are on top of the big breaking news stories as soon as they take place and just a final closing thought from wokv legal analyst mark rubin about you know what you've seen transpire over the last two days and maybe what you expect is going to happen next right well <clears throat> when they reconvene uh the jury uh they'll be sitting there and they'll be listening first to uh, the prosecutor talking about what a bad person this is uh, talking about the crimes of the past not just of this case which we're not able to come in and the original Peru. they're going to talk about his lifetime of being a heinous bad evil person and the defense is going to somehow try to characterize this as being uh, uh, um, something that would was was inevitable that was going to happen because this was a person who was in, in a, a victim of his own circumstances, and that while he did these things, there might be some reasons why he should be excused for that. It'll be uh, it'll be passionate on both sides, and um, and uh, I think the jury will be out a lot longer than 14 minutes. When they when they make, come to a decision on that. All right, Mark Rubin, WOKV legal expert and anal and uh, analyst. Thanks so much for being with us, Mark. We really appreciate it. And we will check back with you as this case uh, continues into the sentencing portion. Now that we do have again those three guilty verdicts after just 14 minutes of deliberation, uh, jury no problem making their decision. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 